welcome to the Moving Forward podcast. We've got Jazz Grackle here today. Say hi, Jazz. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How, how, how are you? Doing all right. Thank you. Um, we're going to be talking about social issues, and I think in particular um, LGBT and uh, gender identity issues. Um, and it's been really kind of a while since I had an, epi- uh, an episode on this topic, so I'm kind of excited to delve into something uh, a little different. Um, Jazz, can you tell our listeners a little about yourself? Okay, so as far as gender, well, I do politics and comedy on, on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, um, Jazz Grackle. Uh, I get think relevant for this conversation, I'm a they, them, uh, agender, non-binary. So that's the, I think that's what we're going to be talking about, it seems like. Okay, cool. That sounds great. And I definitely recommend Jazz on Twitter. He's very funny. Thank you. Uh, and, and for the patrons watching the video, you might be seeing Jazz's girlfriend and his hairless cat in the background periodically. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have said their hairless cat, right? Oh, you're right. No, yeah, yeah. Well, at least I caught it. <laughs> That's um, okay, cool. So this is a good jumping off point because uh, I think you probably know from my podcast and from my persona on Twitter, I tend to think of social issues as kind of like uh, wedge issues, right? Um, they can be useful to politicians to divide people um, and to get people to focus on things other than the stuff that I think government should be involved in. I'm very libertarian when it comes to social issues. I think generally the government should stay out of it. Um, So we could have a conversation about what role you think government should play in policy around social issues, but it's also separate to me from the culture discussion around what direction our culture should or shouldn't be going in. And I think that is uh, also related to politics, even if it's not something that I think the government should weigh in on. Especially since, you know, reactions to certain cultural trends tend to manifest themselves in certain parties getting elected. Um, so it's related, even if even if I don't personally think that it should be involved, there are plenty of theocrats out there who think it should be. And there are plenty of uh, people on the left who also think it should be in a different way, uh, outlawing hate speech, that sort of thing, right? I don't think the government should get involved one way or the other. But there's no way to avoid these topics when you're talking about politics. So let's talk about it. All right. So sounds good. So um, you were you were talking about your personal identity. Can you explain to the viewers and listeners what um, each of those terms mean? Because not everybody will be familiar with them. Okay. So I think we'll go one by one here. I think non-binary. There's a gender. Most people accept some sort of a gender binary where it's like, okay, you have man, woman. And if you're outside of that, then it's like, or don't identify with either one of those, then you would be non-binary. I personally do not identify with either one. And in fact, this brings me to my next point. I'm agender because I don't identify with either one, nor do I identify with some third or third thing, the concept of gender. And gender is, um, could be described as sort of prescriptive social roles that are, that are put on people, usually based on um, sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't. I, pers- I don't personally identify with either one. Um, so that's how, why I'm agender. So I guess that's the best explanation I can come up with. Okay, so non-binary and agender. Was there another term that you used? Uh, was there? Um, I, I, Maybe not. I don't um, think so. I think those are the two main ones. Okay, and what would you identify your sexual orientation as? Uh, bisexual. Okay. 
Yeah. All right. Okay. I think that's pretty straightforward. Well, I, you know. uh, yeah. Well, mo- yeah. If you had said pansexual, further explanation would be required. Um, you know what? That's an interesting <laughs> question because I don't actually know really what the difference is between the bisexual and pansexual thing. Like, okay, the, you, do, are you familiar with like pride flags? Okay, so like the bisexual flag is just more aesthetic than the pansexual flag, but I think it essentially <laughs> means the same thing. Well, it depends on who you talk to. There are a lot of people out there who insist that bisexual somehow reinforces the gender binary, um, and so they prefer to use pan for uh, political reasons. Oh, you know, that's stupid, because my thing is, like, I want to be able to best communicate, like, what my deal is to, like, the average person, and if I say bisexual, you know what I'm talking about, and it's, like, it's very You're not trying to be intentionally obtuse and (laughs) confusing. No! (laughs) um because you know that's how that's how you get them right you've got your gotchas you you use uh, a lot of uh academic terminology not you obviously um some people on twitter in particular love to use the most obscure terminology they possibly can to describe something and they might even invent something and then expect you to read their minds and right it's like uh, you have like a a gender (laughs) that's like a seven word like 150 point scrabble (laughs) and also it changes every other day we're actually every other tuesday it's this but every other wednesday it's that Uh, i think i think they do that and if you get it wrong then you're homophobic sexist (laughs) etc right transphobic okay god no i'm glad you're not like that Um, yeah, I, I actually agree with a lot of the things that you've said so far. So let's start breaking down some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so you made a distinction between sex and gender, uh, which yeah. is a distinction that I find useful as well. Um, you want to talk a little bit about why you, uh, uh, choose to believe in that distinction? Um, I think it's just, just kind of manifestly true. I mean, if you look at like behaviors, like the roles we put on people, those are definitely more gender related. Um, I think that for example, especially if you get into like intersex people, it's like, how does somebody define themselves? It's like, that could be you know, a certain gender over another. Uh, whereas sex is just purely like I have a, you know, I either produce gametes or I don't produce gametes basically okay. is, is the idea. So you are not one who ascribes to the idea that, um, that biological sex is not a thing at all. You just think it's different from gender. Oh, yeah, of course. I, I think that it is different than gender. I think that if you want to get really weird and philosophical, like, yeah, you can go down the, like, nothing is real route. But, like, in order for us to function in our day-to-day lives, in order for us to, like, live just with each other, we have to have definitions of some kind. And, yeah, sex and gender are, are just different descriptive de- definitions of things. Yeah, okay. And, um, Jazz, how, how old are you? I am 27. 27, okay, okay. So if you were 17, you might see that differently. Um, there's a, there are a lot of people, you know, a decade younger than yourself who think that the entire concept of sex is a social construct. Um, and, and, and not, not in the everything is a social construct way even necessarily, but like mm-hmm. in the, we should make it all about gender identity. That's all that matters. Um, your biological sex has no bearing whatsoever in the medical treatment that you should receive or, right? I mean, but the the funny thing is it's not just trendy kids on like TikTok and Instagram. It's the American Medical Association recently came out with a statement advising that they should not put people's biological sexes on their birth certificates anymore because supposedly that's somehow offensive to people's gender identity. But to me, that's equating sex and gender, isn't it? 
Um, I'm not sure about that. I, I, I think for medical purposes, to say, to try to not separate them out is just ridiculous. And in fact, like, as a somebody who consider, I consider myself a feminist. And if you have, whether or not, you know, uh, however you identify, if you have a vulva, you're going to be treated a certain way by the med- medical people. And so it's like, we shouldn't separate that out. I think that's bad for feminism. It's bad for our rights to, to do that. Um, as far as birth certificates go, I mean... I guess if you just wanted to get it, do they just want to get rid of like the the male female sex thing? I just they're not they're just not going. Well, they are recommending you not include it. Like I just can't imagine being that. um, And you know, I'm not like a binary trans. I'm not a trans woman or a trans man. But like, I just can't imagine being that upset by you know, hey, this person you clearly had a penis when you were born or clearly had a, you know, like that just seems totally innocuous to me. It's very, very strange. It seems like one of those battles that's like not worth fighting. Well, know? it's, it, it, well, I agree. It's not worth fighting. And, and that's a great, that's a great common thread because I, I do think a lot of this stuff is virtue signaling. I think the American medical association association has no reason to say something like that other than they're trying to virtue signal to the people they perceive as maybe the people who are likely to support them in one way or another, right? They want to get praise on Twitter. They want to show that they're woke and that's why they're doing it. The New England Journal of Medicine um, actually uh, went even further and they published an article saying that doctors should not um, take the person's biological sex into consideration at all um, in terms of giving them their medical treatment. Really? So I wish I was kidding. No. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's say you have like, uh, I don't know, like uh, prostate cancer. I mean, that's pretty. You know. <laughs> and if, and frankly, frankly, if you are a, a trans woman who's had surgery and passes pretty well, even to your doctor, the doctor needs to know about your medical history. They need to know that you've had surgery. They need to know that you were born a different way because it's relevant to your medical care, right? And and by the way, um, when the the New England Journal of Medicine public posted about that on Twitter. It, they they were just ratioed by everyday normal doctors. One person's like, I'm a pediatrician. I can't ju- judge whether or not a child's development is normal without taking their sex into account. It's very, it's relevant. What the right, fuck? Of course. <laughs> you know? Well, it's the same thing. It's like, there's this, I mean, it's a, it's a more extreme version of like the, the extreme sort of body positivity stuff, right? Where it's like, like, hey, maybe, like, when you go to a doctor, the doctor is going to, like, take what the most broad issue might be, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, don't acknowledge that you're 500 pounds overweight. It's like, no, that, that oh, has no, to be Oh, no, but there are people thing. saying that, too, right? Because yeah. then because then they're being fat phobic, right? If the doctor tells you that, you know, maybe this isn't good for your health, that makes them a bigot. Um, you know, I spoke, I, I mean, obviously they should be nice about it. Like, I, well, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure there are doctors out there who are like, oh, my God, you're so gross and fat. You need to lose <laughs> weight, right? Like, that's awful. That person absolutely should not do that, right? But if it truly is relevant to a health issue they have, um, then they should be able to speak about it. Without no, I don't know. I disagree with you a little bit here. Because, okay, hold on. I disagree with you a little bit here. Uh, because, like, you ever go to a dentist and they, like, they shame you for not flossing your teeth. Like, why shouldn't a doctor do that? Be like, hey, look, you fat piece of shit. Like, what are you doing? That's true. That's true. I mean, and and it, I guess it depends on the relationship you have with your doctor, right? Like, sure. dentists are... are pretty good about doing it in a way that doesn't make you feel like a bad person. Right. They're not saying that, Oh my God, you're a lazy slob, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Right. It's like, you know, you wouldn't have 
to get as many fillings if you would just floss your uh, floss your teeth, dude. You know, right? So, <laughs> so like, I, hey, you just be like, maybe you didn't have to have this issue with your diabetes if you would need so many fucking pancakes, you know, or whatever. Sorry for yeah, uh, no, no, I, 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 I can see if like if you have a friendly sort of relationship with your doctor and you, it's the kind of relationship where you can do that sort of banter with each other, it might actually be effective medical care. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, you know, they should be diplomatic and professional. But I, but, but the the point is, there are crazy people who are trying to say that they shouldn't be allowed to tell you that being overweight is bad. That's um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. No. And so, and so, what we're seeing here is we're seeing you believe, as I do, in a distinction between science and culture. Let's put it that way, right? Mm-hmm. There's the scientific facts about your body, and then there's the cultural norms that vary from time to time and place to place that society tries to push upon you right because of that mm. um right so right right now um to to make some, something that is about government they they uh they just voted to make um congress just voted to make uh so that women are included in the draft now did you follow that uh yeah a little bit i i think that's uh i uh, i that's something that if you look into like the history of feminism, that was the thing that was fought about like a mm-hmm. lot sort of early on. And are you familiar with like uh Phyllis Schlafly at all? Uh, no. Anti-feminist sort of woman who her main point was like, all these feminists want us to be in the draft. We don't want to be in the draft, et cetera, okay. et cetera. So I can see the, uh, the point of having women be in the draft. I, I think that's fine. And mainly I think it's cause like, yeah, like, yeah, there's obviously different like bo- bodily makeup which normally between men and women but like if you want to you, you both of you can carry a gun so it's like okay i, I see that as okay well and also if you get drafted i mean women don't tend to do necessarily the same roles in the military that that men do sure. um yeah i mean some women might actually make a better fighter pilot than a guy for example but also oh, a lot of, of this idea. is really outdated because it's not like we have troops on the ground and and bombing from the sky happen very often anymore it's more like droning from washington dc cubicles <laughs> you know right of course like yeah 100 percent a woman can do although yeah. i somebody did tell me once that supposedly women can't see 3d graphics as well I wonder if that's what? true. That sounds uh, not true to me. That sounds not true. Okay. That sounds like some incel gamer bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right. So the distinction between science and culture is a very important distinction that actually helps to cut through a lot of like the the, the annoying infighting that's going on um, and a lot of the culture wars between like, like the reaction of the alt-right to a lot of this stuff a lot of that you can cut through it by just saying oh yeah no totally like you know we we are a species that has females and males there are intersex people but they're a tiny fraction of the population and most intersex people actually are either male or female as well they're just also intersex um Mm. and you you know but that's separate we're talking about like what we're saying is if you're a guy like if you're if you're born a male right but you don't conform to society's sexist ideas about how men and women should behave. If you, I don't know, grew up liking to play with Barbies instead of monster trucks, um, that doesn't make you a bad person. Right. That's what we're right. saying. Right. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't mistreat people because they don't fit into these very constraining conservative boxes around culture norms. I think that is an idea that has basically won the culture war and most people, most Republicans even largely agree with that. Um, 
Which is why I think some people who seem to be like perpetually, I don't know, it's like they they think of themselves as professional activists. They can't ever just win. You know what I mean? They can't be like, oh, this is great. We made progress. I won. I'll shut up now. It has to be like, no, now we're going to say biological, biological sex isn't real at all. And the only thing that matters is your gender identity. Um, and I think that's uh, that's a, a, that's something that is going to backfire on LGBT rights, not actually further them in any way. Because it no, makes I totally agree people look ter- stupid, right? I agree with you, and I think you're actually leaving a lot of LGBT people, LGBT people behind by doing that. Because it's like, okay, like it was recently, people were talking. I don't know if you've seen this on Twitter. People were saying like, actually, attack helicopter, valid gender, and it's like, hold on now, like this is, we, we, I, I, you've lost me at this point. Like I'm not, I'm not there. So that's leave, like, that's like if you're like time. a really butch dyke, you're an attack helicopter. <laughs> you know, that's pretty fabulous. I kind of love it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean like tongue in cheek. Sure. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I, I think some of these people are joking around and that is fine. I trolling is a thing that people do and it has, you know, there are pros and cons to it, but to the extent that people are serious, I do think that it's harmful. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think you're leaving a lot of, it's not just harmful for like culture, but it's harmful just, it's harmful for me. It's harmful for people who are LGBT who aren't like that. It's like in the same way, and I think we would agree on this, that I think like people are like, okay, let's move liberal. Let's be sort of like, you know, uh, let's have rights for people. And then people are like, let's smash the whole state. Let's like destroy capitalism. I'm like, no, that's, that's bad. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up economics because it's totally related. Um, so there, the, a, the main difference is liberals believe in individual liberty. They believe in centering individual liberty. They believe in equality of opportunity, right? And so the liberal position in economics is you have to let people own capital because that's an important human right to own. The ability to own private property and capital is not something the government should take away from people. Um, but you also want to have like a social safety net. So there's a floor so that, you know, people aren't starving on the streets and, you know, children aren't being malnourished, et cetera. Right. That's the liberal position. The, um, the socialist slash communists, um, not to say that they are identical, but they are related and they come from the same tradition worldview is that you want equity, which is equality of outcomes, right? So that means you want, it's not enough to just eradicate poverty. You want to make sure that also rich people don't exist. Everybody should have the same things. You should have the same square footage of house and the same kind of car and blah, 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 blah. That is a very anti-individual way of thinking. It's about forcing, literally using the government to force, or or in the case of socialism, maybe you're not using the government, but that's a separate issue. And in, in practice, it always ends up being the government because it's the only practical way to do it. Um, forcing people to conform, right? And to all be the same from each according to their ability to each according to their need. Um, so... In social issues, the way that ends up working out is it's not enough to just say, hey, you know, people should have a right to be LGBT, whatever, right? It, it's it's like, no, you have to make sure that, you know, if X percent of the population is this gender identity, then that exact percentage of the population also needs to be like a CEO, <laughs> right? And, and, and you shouldn't hire people based on... Right. So the liberal position is don't discriminate against people based on these characteristics. And the socialist position is, oh, absolutely, definitely discriminate against people based on these, because that's the only way you can guarantee that everybody is exact, has exactly the same things, the same jobs, mm-hmm. et cetera. 
I think that my issue with communism and socialism isn't necessarily like if like if everyone could be millionaires, then yeah, that would be great. But like what how it turns out usually is that anyone who like tries to be a communist just immediately becomes like an authoritarian dictatorship. And like I just if you care about the well being and people not starving, I, I think that you should not be a, a communist. So I think that's all I can say about that. And as far as like uh, discrimination, like, yeah, I, obviously, like, if a business is being is stacked against, like, black people or, or even white people or, like, a woman, that, that should be fixed. But to say that we're all, we all have to be equal at all times, I just think is... Well, like, for example, like, um, you know, uh, if, if only one-tenth of your applicants for, say, like, an engineering job are women, right? Um, but you're expected to hire 50% of your engineers are supposed to be female because they're 50% of the population, right? That's, um, that's not a logical way of, you know, and, and similarly, like maybe in another field, um, you know, maybe like, uh, most of your, your applicants for nursing jobs are women, right? But it's supposed to be 50% men. And so in practice, what that ends up doing is if you are happen to not be the right sex, then your odds of being hired go down and it shouldn't matter. The liberal position is like, just hire the best candidate. It doesn't matter whether they're a woman or a man or gay or straight or anything else. I, I understand from like a business position, if you own like a private corporation and it's like, if you want to like advertise yourself as being more woke, I, if I was <laughs> running a company, I probably would like, let's say that you have a, like a trans woman candidate and a, and a regular female candidate. And they're just, uh, you know, like, exactly the same in every single way mm -hmm. except for one's trans like i understand taking the, the trans person i i don't think there's anything wrong yeah no i mean i don't think everything else is equal right 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 so that's why i think it's important to make the distinction right between government and um and culture so i'm what i'm saying is a little bit more than that so i i definitely am not saying that the government should intervene and like force companies to hire people in a completely sex negative sex neutral way etc right? right um that said, we do have legislation on the books that says you're not supposed to discriminate in hiring, right? And so that's an interesting like legal issue there. Like, does that count as discrimination if you're explicitly, you know, more likely to hire, you know, one sex than the other? Uh, and you're in not only that, but you're publicly advertising that fact. Um, so there are actually like lawsuits under underway where um, where some people are, are alleging the companies are actually being discriminatory in their hiring practice as a mm -hmm. consequence of that. So that's a legal government issue. What I'm saying is, culturally speaking, I don't think that's a good thing for society. I, I agree that a private company should be free to hire whoever it wants, right? And they just like, you know, if somebody wants to kick you off, if Twitter wants to kick you off Twitter for any reason, if somebody wanted to create Twitter, but only for women, right? You know, um, they could do that and somebody might try to sue them, but like, that would be like, no, this is the whole point. The whole concept of this is that this is a space for women. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I do, I completely agree that it should be up to the owner of the property. Um, I don't think the government should get involved and maybe, maybe some of our laws go too far and maybe we're starting to see the downsides of some of the laws that we already have. But do I think that, do I think that it, it makes sense. Is it, is it good for, for culture, for society, for the economy, for people to be, for, for corporations to be turn their, to politicize their hiring practices in this way? I don't think it is.
I think it leads to a lot of like reaction and a lot of like animosity of men in the, you know, it's bad for morale. Like if you're, if you're a guy who was passed up for a job, you have to wonder like, Oh, is it just because I'm a guy or vice versa? Um, so I, I think that, you know, like the, the New York um, symphony has a, a famous practice where they have the musicians um, obviously it doesn't really work with singers per se. Well, they do it with singers too. Cause you can tell if it's a guy or a girl by their voice, but you still can't tell like, are they fat or thin or whatever? Right. So right. they put them behind a, a screen and they, uh, the idea is they're supposed to be completely objective and just choose the people based on how they play based on their performance. Um, I think that's better for society than saying like, oh, well, yeah, like, but, you know, we, 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 you know, that person was, was a really good violinist, but also we, we need to check another, you know, diversity box. So let's go with that person. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think actually it's like a lot of these things are kind of backfiring and creating like, like racial animosity or sex animosity. Like these things are happening because like, yeah, you know, if, if you're a, a white dude, like, yeah, you do feel occasionally like you're being passed up for a job or whatever. And, like, it, it, as far as broad society goes, no, you're not being discriminated against largely, but it can feel that way. And, and I think or that... Or if it becomes a trend, maybe you are, you know? and, and... Right. <laughs> so, again, I'm not even... I'm not necessarily advocating that the government should... I think if we... We definitely shouldn't have any more laws than we already have on the books, and maybe some of the ones we have go too far. But I, I do think that... I do think we should be asking ourselves... Um, you know, maybe this is a fad, you know, like maybe this is just like the flavor of the month. This is like the thing that companies are doing to, to, you know, boost their brand or whatever. And maybe it'll go away over time. But right now it's reacting in a lot of toxic arguing on Twitter and a lot of um, really stupid, fucked up people getting elected to office just because they're the only person who will say that they think this is bullshit. I, I think that uh, the the problem I'm seeing is that if you apply, you or I applied to be a Hooters girl, that neither one of us would get the job, and I I, I just can't stand that. I think we have to. <laughs> fight for our I don't rights. know, man. I, if I got enough plastic surgery, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> oh, brother. Um. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like sometimes it's relevant to the job description, and that's a very different thing, right? I get mm. that. I, I I think that that sex or even race you know like i mean i don't know like if you're you have a magazine that is you know the whole point of the magazine is that you're you're featuring black voices or whatever then i don't think it's weird that you're being discriminatory in your hiring practices for your writers right of course, i think yeah. it depends on context right but if you're like time magazine and you're being discriminatory i think that's a different thing yeah yeah i agree um all right, cool. Well, you're a very refreshingly sane person. How much you. have you run into the kinds of less sane people uh, who are more who are kind of like on your side, so to speak, who make you look bad? Has that a thing? Yeah, you've no, I think much? that's yeah, I think that's a big thing. I think that there was a there's been, recently there's been a huge separation between like at first it was like, hey, liberals, communists, we're all like all will want the same things in it. And I think there was a huge separation between those two. There's actually a subreddit because at first there was a subreddit called trans. It was just trans for transgender people, but it was taken over by communists and then trans, but no commies like came and became a thing. So I think even not just with me, but more so, I think we are di dividing a lot between people who are more sane and people actually, you know, I, I, I can give an example. I, I think that for example, I think ACAB, 
and like mm. all these like let's kill all the cops or you know it's like it's just there's these positions that are just so bad for trying to communicate our ideas or change culture in any way because it's just so like a- anathemic to, to anything you know that we're trying to do or remember like in a the the riots that happened recently you know mm-hmm. was it um was in portland or whatever did you um i don't know if you heard this or not but portland has gone from like one of the, like the the top cities that like to live in to like the 66 or 67 that just tanked entirely wow. because of anarchist white kids essentially like yeah. causing these problems so yeah of course there's issues that i have with people on my side yeah that's interesting let's talk about that because um it's definitely another example of it being hyper politicized too um because you know like if you're if you're a far lefty then you're like these rioters good those rioters bad right the trump rioters right. those are bad right and then vice versa if you're like an alt-right person oh the trump rioters were no big deal that was like just a few bad actors making the rest look bad it wasn't that bad mm-hmm. oh but these blm riots they're awful through and through every single one of them is a horrible marxist anti-fascist person right well have you heard the right-wing conspiracy that um that actually the January 6th riots were, in fact, Antifa. It was a... It was yeah, a, uh, and, the, and there yeah. were a lot of people who were saying that all of the BLM riots were actually Trump supporters pretending to be, right? And I mean, like, I think that, like, there might have been a couple of people here and there who were just trying to take advantage of the fog, fog of war and, like, stir up further trouble on both sides. But I, I generally speaking, those conspiracy theories are very transparently just attempts to deflect blame from your own side. Mm-hmm. So where are all the sane people saying, you know what, rioting bad, right? It doesn't matter. Like, I mean, and, and, and frankly, even if I agree with your cause, it's still bad. Right. <laughs> you know, like don't just burn down buildings. I think it's a don't basic, burn down know? buildings, throw bricks through windows and kill cops. Don't do that. It's bad. It doesn't make your cause look good. It makes it look bad <laughs> right yeah i think i think that's a very basic kind of thing actually what i what another thing i i think people are so so want to make their side look good that they're willing to like make like okay do you remember the um the derek chauvin um uh michael what's his, what was this george floyd sorry george floyd case right and it's like if i was pro cop i would I would say like, hey, look, this one was bad. This was a this is a bad thing, you know. Like, mm-hmm. not just because you're pro police doesn't mean every police officer at all times has to be good. So it's very yes. strange that people just weren't willing to give any ground on that at all. And and, 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 the other- and, sim- and similarly, you can't be like, hey, you know, I just think that police officers shouldn't abuse their power in horrible, terrible, violent ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it has to be no. All cops are bastards. Right. Well, there was another case. Like, actually, it came out a little bit. I forget who the, the, what the names were, but there was a, a girl who was like literally about to stab somebody. Right, and then like the cop like shoots her, and it's like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. They're like, he's defending somebody's life. People were like, how dare he stop this woman from stabbing this person? It's yeah. like, it's exactly. like we gotta, we we have to both admit that we gotta give each other ground a little bit on these issues, you know. And and you said something about anarchist white kids, right? You're totally right about that. I remember looking at pictures of some of the BLM protests, not um, not even the riots, because of course we have to make a distinction. Not all protesters are rioters, of course. Only the rioters are rioters. <laughs> Protesting is protected under our constitution, and it's a good thing. Mm. Um, but like, there were people who were already kind of appropriating the Black Lives Matter movement in the name of communism in the protests. And it was almost without fail, it was like some 
Karen type. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's like some middle-aged white lady holding a sign saying, "No war, but class war." And <laughs> and all of these black and brown people around her are like, "That's not what we're here about, lady." You know, like that's like we're here to protest police violence against black people. Why are you making it about communism? Um but but, but like you just like, you can't stop them. They will try to appropriate ev- appropriate everything, and that's actually where a lot of this negative social to take us back to the so well, this is all related to social issues, really. Take us right. back to the gender and and sex issues. Um, that's literally what it's about. It's about when you start talking about how you need to have equity between all these different identity groups. That's just communists hijacking, you know, um, human rights for their unrelated economic agenda. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree with you. And like, like, if you look at things like, well, one, you saw like, I mean, you actually can watch videos where the, the, have you heard of like these anarchists creating like these enclaves where they're like blocking off streets and things like that. And you can actually watch videos of like black people, like, like crying and like, what, why, please stop doing this. You're hurting us. You're hurting our movement. You're causing these things. This is really bad. So that's, I think that's, uh, yeah. And I also think that some people are into in politics and I forget who said this first, but a lot of people are socialists, not because they want to help poor people, but because they hate rich people. And like, that's, that's the only thing. And I remember like, you know, I'll be honest with you. Like the fact that like we have private companies going to space right now, I think that's cool. Mm -hmm. The people are just so angry. And like, I, I don't understand because my main thing is like, I just want the most people to have the most happiness, the most amount of time. And I, and I, I don't understand why you would like just spend so much of your time just being, angry at people for owning a company or going to space like it's just it's because of giving yourself a bad day it's because of resentment but it's also because they really some of them are true believers and they really think that there's something deeply unethical about a about two human beings entering into a mutually beneficial contract agreement yeah i i think that's like a lot of people will be very and actually it's very strange i think there's a lot of overlap between like the trump republicans and like the communists on this kind of stuff like like i think we talked about foreign policy before and it's like just the hyper nationalists we shouldn't be overseas it's all like like chinese sweatshop stuff and it's like hey maybe consider how the world would be if we didn't do those things you know like maybe consider the alternatives people just don't want to do that tucker carlson is going on anti-corporation rants every single day on fox news and i i had an alt-right person on twitter recently literally use the phrase corporate oligarchs and i was like how are how are you a republican like corporate oligarch is literally bernie bolshevik for capitalist that's just what that word means right yeah, <laughs> you <know>? yeah. <laughs> but you're right no, they are, they are wow. well and, and yeah exactly um and 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 you also get the tulsi gabbard like forever wars thing coming from the alt-right these days too um so the the protectionism and isolationism is something that populism in general has in common. But I think it's deeper than that, too. I think the opposition to capitalism is actually at play. I think that we are dealing with, on the alt-right, we're dealing with people who are socialist, but they're just too ignorant to know that they're socialist. Because if you ask them what socialism is, they almost never can give you an accurate description of what it is. And then if you ask them what they want, it's usually socialism. It's just socialist plus racism, I think, is the main <laughs> is, is what it is. It was the very like, first episode of this podcast. I uh, Somebody asked me what I thought about Trump voters. I said they're racist socialists. You know, there actually, there was a thing. You know those, like, political compass tests? And if anyone's not familiar with them, you can go online and they, and they provide you, like, a, 
And so there was one where a lot of people on the left were very upset because the compass put them up like on like authoritarian right wing. And they're like, how, how did this happen? I'm just like, I, I told you guys, like this Maybe is because this you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, let's talk about the compass for a second. Cause I'm, I'm actually not over fond of that model. Um, because I think that in theory it's correct. Like in theory, you could be a libertarian lefty, right? But sure. in practice, what does that actually mean in real life? Like, I, I think that, as you said, in practice, lefties, like, when they seize the means of production, it always ends up turning into, like, Stalinism or Maoism, right? Mm-hmm. So there, there are these theoretical positions you can be. I get what a libertarian right looks like. Libertarian left, to me, is the only thing I will, like, I, I have a friend named Chet, who is an anarcho-communist. So he would be in the bottom left quadrant. And I think he qualifies because he doesn't really want government to do much of anything in order to bring about the communist future. Um, he think it's just thinks it's just going to inevitably happen as technology gets better if we don't blow ourselves up first. Um, so I kind of get that. But again, if, if this is about classifying the way you vote in politics, your actual like political alignment, I think that libertarian right is something I can wrap my head around in terms of governance. Libertarian sure. left doesn't doesn't seem like a real thing to me. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't consider myself a libertarian left, obviously. So it's like I'm trying to. I think what they I think the best I can say is them trying to accelerate, you know, e- equal human conditions. So we don't necessarily need like a state. And if you're an anarchist, the, the state and the government are two different things that like, gets confusing. But it's like basically they want a agreed upon social contract where everyone kind of helps each other at all times. But yeah, that's, you know. Well, yeah, that's interesting because, I mean, I know there are forms of anarchism that when you get down to it, what they're really talking about is like, well, we should just have local, you know, um, local elections and local governments and decentralize it and take power away from, you know, the central government. That is not what I would personally call anarchism because to me, that's basically just describing what um what we have more or less or at least what we used to have right because like the federal government now has way more power than it was intended to by our founders right Mm -hmm. so that to me it sounds like just a standard like libertarian um position that you think that the federal government is too powerful and we need to take it back to only doing the things it was originally intended to do which are things like you know national defense and, and and that sort of thing I could be wrong, but I think it comes down to property rights. I think that's the difference between uh-huh. the left and the right. I think it's on the left, you really don't believe in property rights. You might believe in something like use rights, but you can't own anything. Whereas yeah. like, I think the libertarian right still wants you to be able to have like a deed to your house and a deed to capital and, and all those other things. I, I To me, yeah. I think those are, that's the fundamental difference. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think that makes sense. Okay, so what you're saying is a, a libertarian leftist could be somebody who... Um, believes in a small decentralized government, but also somehow thinks that small decentralized government should violate the basic property rights of all of its citizens, which seems a little big. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I think think that's the idea. All right. I can see the libertarian center that I can see that I can understand. Um, But, but, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess if we're, we're trying to steel man the position, a libertarian leftist, like, my friend Chet 
would probably say that property rights are not a natural human right and that they're just there's something that artificially exists because the government has decided this person owns that and that person owns that um what i think is if you're a true full-on anarchist right then you think that the government shouldn't intervene to settle disputes maybe but when people have a historical claim to something, I do think that it is important that we don't allow just random strangers to wander into your house, right, or whatever. And I also mm-hmm. think I just I, I am an actual capitalist who who recognizes the fact that capitalism has raised billions of people out of poverty. That the vast majority of the human race was living in extreme poverty until capitalism came along, mm-hmm. and then we and then in a few short generations. We completely reverse that to the point where only a small percentage of the population is living in extreme poverty anymore. Um, and, and that's because, you know, well, actually, another way, a good way to put this is under capitalism, you can have a co-op, right? <laughs> like, right. Well, yeah, you, of course. You, yeah, you could go start a co-op, but the problem is you have to compete with non-co-ops. And they don't like that because I'll tell you why, because in real life, the non-co-ops tend to do better. <laughs> right. Well, that, well, that's the thing is like, I wonder if like, when somebody's like, hey, let's have a, like, a communist, like, say, it's like, do you not want to allow anybody to, like, to have any sort of business relationship? Like, how do you enforce that? Like, it just worries me, because it's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to enforce anything. It's like, okay, but you would have to, in some way. And that amount, uh, that amount of enforcement, I think, is just goes against, like, basic liberal rights, you know, or human rights, really. Yeah, no, totally. And, and, and liberalism and communism are completely at odds. It's not possible to be liberal and a, and a communist, any more than you could be liberal and a fascist they're just they're both and and you know like you bring us back to the alt-right the national socialists um in germany but we're not what most socialists today would recognize as socialism but they were anti-capitalist it's just that they were also anti-communist right um and so I, I do think that in some ways it is kind of describing what we're rec- rec- rep- what we're seeing on the alt-right here is people who are saying, well, I don't want leftism, the traditional leftism, but I also don't want this free market capitalism stuff that my right wing party keeps shoving down my throat. I want some, you know, some fascist. Um, you know, not to give to any vote. ammo to the alt right, but I think that they would do well to read some Muammar Gaddafi because like Gaddafi's policies were very much like, hey, we're going to give everyone housing and social programs, but also like we're going to kill these people. Like, like it's to say it's very. Uh, I think a more recent example of this sort of like extremist sort of not left, not right is, uh, yeah, Gaddafi was a a good example of that. Or a lot of policies even now in like the Middle East, for example. Yeah, exactly. And and you believe that that's justified. So to try to take us back to the the, to the the social issues again, although they are related to to um, actually maybe that's what we should do. Let's let's talk, Mm. make it a little more explicit about why social issues are related to these economic issues. So when I'm talking about the Marxist influence of some of these radical forms of these social positions, um, that's not me just pulling it out of my ass. That's like the, the actual academic history of these ideas. So they, they actually go back to um, people like Foucault um, and the Frankfurt School who were, who were explicitly Marxist. Um, so... In the case of in the case of Foucault, it's more neo-Marxist because traditional Marxism, it, like the Frankfurt School, they believe in modernism. They believe in science uh, and rationality. 
Um, but what Foucault did was he said like, well, okay, these goals of Marxism are good, but science is another tool of the oppressor. It's another way mm -hmm. of keeping people down. Um, and so we need to be postmodernist and um, relativist about it. We need a relativist epistemology. And so that's where a lot of the anti-scientific, but still Marxist in a weird kind of blended way. I think you have to be careful from. here because in fact, uh, Foucault, Foucault, Foucault died in basically a neoliberal at the end of it, because he was like, in, in the same way that I'm saying that, like, if you want to have actual choice of like how you think about things and like, you have to have, you have to give liberty people and to give Foucault some credit. He, he was like that at the end. He was much more liberal. And, like, oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, Christopher Hitchens was a, a, a hardcore activist on behalf of communism when he was younger. And then when he was older, he said, communism is a form of fascism. Um, mm. So, you know, people change their minds throughout their life. I'm not saying I'm not saying that Foucault was a bad person. I'm saying that his postmodern phase influenced a lot of the weird biological sex doesn't exist science isn't real nonsense that we're seeing today no and i not I, just I totally them, a lot of people uh, more, more specifically later academics adapting his work and making it even kookier i would say i think <laughs> mostly there's the foucault to like judith butler kind mm -hmm. of uh relationship and it's there you go and again I, I think there's value and i think the problem is like if somebody I think there's value in both of them. I think there is value in Foucault's writing. I think it's, it's interesting. But I think taking one academic philosophy and making it your entire personality just doesn't work out. Like there's going to be, you have to take into account the arguments and people, I I don't think do that as much anymore. And I, and it's, I think it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's because they've been memified, right? But the, but the problem with it is by the time the general public has taken these ideas that maybe had all kinds of humble caveats in academia, once by the time it's trickled down to the average activist, um, they are like zeroing in on specific things, maybe taking them out of context, maybe ratcheting them up and exaggerating them, ignoring a bunch of other details um, and just and just, you know, making it into a snackable, easy to digest meme, which means that it spreads through the general population very easily. Right. Um I mean, the, the, the term meme was coined by Richard Dawkins in his Selfish Gene book in 1976, and he was using it at the time as a metaphor for evolution. He was saying, look, genes can be selfish. They evolve in order to evolve. They don't care if they're necessarily good for their hosts, right? Um, and so, like, the, the, the point of, though, is that the ones that are good for their hosts are supposed to survive, but it's not because the genes are altruistic about it. And so he was talking about, cult, saying in culture, an idea can spread just because it has an emotional appeal to people, not necessarily because it's true or good for society. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and in that in that case, these that type of meme might be more analogous to like a virus, right? Which is which is literally spreading just to propagate itself and is actually killing its host. Yeah, I think there was something uh, just to, to go on the Richard Dawkins train a little bit. There was a whole argument against like evolution because like they found that fruit flies were getting less and less intelligent. And it's like, well, maybe intelligence is not actually what we need to reproduce. Maybe the fruit flies are better off not being smart. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. I, I, yeah, the problem with activism, I think, and I think you kind of hit it a little bit, is that you have to have these boiled down like non-thoughtful reasons for being active you can't have a paragraph long like like a cab as much as i hate a cab it's yeah it's a better phrase than like okay there's some police officers who have problems and maybe we should like give them money in some areas but in other areas like the real political answers are never like memeable like bites you know and so uh, it's like the necessity for activism like it's 
you, you run into the issue of simplification. Maybe this is well one of as... the most conservative things I've ever said on this podcast, but maybe okay. activism is bad. <laughs> you know <laughs> what I mean? Like maybe policy should be made by the elites of society who are smart and think it through and are capable of understanding the nuance. And maybe it shouldn't be just punks, you know, on Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think this is the least liberal thing I'll say, you know, and I think it's or at least conservative or whatever, like agreeing with you on this one where it's like, I, I used to think like they were like, oh, um, you know, like these business CEOs are making all the, the decisions in our country. And I'm like, yeah, that's good. They probably know what they're doing. You know, it seems like <laughs> that seems good to me. You know, so, yeah, I would rather have like I don't like the idea of direct democracy at all. Like I'd much rather mm. have people at least who know what they're doing. Like imagine how much better our economy would be if it was actually run by economists. Like that would be yeah. would be so much better, you know, which take it, take a full circle back to the draft. Um, I also support expanding it to women, but the main reason I do is because I think that if we do, we're much less likely to ever use it. (laughs) I think that the public backlash against it would be bigger if they were drafting, you know, um, 18 year old daughters into the army. Right. I think people would be like, no, (laughs) you're not doing that. We have a volunteer army. Um, and you know, who, who actually persuaded, um, the, uh, joint chiefs of staff to give up the, um, the draft was, uh, Milton Friedman, the, um, Hmm. the right-wing libertarian economist. Yeah. He went in and argued with them. And then by the end of it, like they, it was policy. (laughs) How cool is that? Oh yeah, I, I'm a big fan of. I, this is like just this is just making my left wing audience hate me. But I'm a big fan of. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Milton Friedman, especially early Milton Friedman work or mm-hmm. uh, Hayek. Anyone in the Montpellier Society, uh, is, I, I think, is worth is worth reading. Oh, I mean, I think you're just a a well read person, um, and you you know you can like somebody's writing and agree with aspects of it without agreeing with all of it. Right. Like I don't even agree with everything that Milton Friedman suggested and I am on the right. Um, Okay. So, you know, I think the issue with activism too, and memification around these social issues in particular, because they're so toxic and divisive and they are wedge issues that distract us from other things that are more important. Not that, not that social issues aren't important, but things that the government should actually be doing. (laughs) That's Mm. a better way of putting it. Right. Um, is that because they have these memeified, um, like it, you know, the super oversimplified black and white interpretations of, you know, some conglomeration of academic thought out there. Um, because of that, if you try to criticize it as I am now, one thing that I've found is people will start saying, oh, well, like, you know, you kind of like you did there and they're not wrong. Well, Foucault didn't exactly say that. No, I'm like, no, that's not the point. The point is he and a bunch of other academics, Judith Butler, et cetera, all put these ideas out there. And then the activists zeroed in on these little things, like whether or not like Judith Butler would agree with the average activist on Twitter isn't the point. The point is we're trying to understand where these ideas come from. And we need to be able to criticize the way that they're actually expressing themselves in real life and politics. Mm-hmm. I think that the issue is uh, that maybe people have, or that I have at least, is that like, you can't blame Foucault for it. You know, it's like, <laughs> like, I think people get kind of offended because they're like, I read Foucault and it's actually not that. I, that's what I felt personally, where I was like, yeah. no, these people no. are wrong about Foucault. Foucault did nothing wrong. Like that's, I think that's what we're I mean, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say they're wrong about it, but it's, it's more like, um, you know, they're, let's talk, a, let's talk about the modernist Marxist for a second, right? So like the Frankfurt School, 
they're um, they're Marxists, but not communists. And they were using Marxism. So things like this, like second wave feminism actually came out of a lot of this. And the idea was like, you want women to be equal. And it, and for a Marxist feminist, equal means you want women to have equal outcomes to men, right? Whereas for a liberal feminist, it's like, no, we just want equal opportunity. And if, if not as many women, you know, become CEOs, you know, that's just the way the ball bounces and that's okay. Right. And so well, I, I, I do, a... I do think, I do think that you don't, it doesn't have to be a direct correlation, right. Where like you can point to this text in an academic book and therefore that's exactly what, what this, obviously this modern memeified thing is going to be different because it's evolved. I, I think there, I think there's a difference just to go to feminism a little bit. There's a, there was the liberal feminist. Sure. There was the Marxist feminist, but then the radical feminist movement actually said that Marxism is a, is a, is a system designed by men and also we need to destroy it. And I'm like, I, 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 I favor that a lot. I, I like that. It's like Marx was an asshole, man. Like, fuck him. Like, yeah, like, yeah, true. Okay. Or, or, or uh, that's also a bit illiberal though, too, because it should be like, I reject Marxism because it's bad ideas. Not just because the person who, who wrote the book happened to have a penis, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I am in favor of, of, feminism of the liberal variety. I'm not a fan of the Marxist variety. And so when, you know, but if they're all calling themselves feminists, right? If feminists include modernist Marxists who make a distinction between sex and gender, just like you and I do, but who believe in a communist equity goal that we do not share, which is, which Mm -hmm. is directly hostile to the concept of equal opportunity. That's something to keep in mind. You can't have equity and equal opportunity. You have to pick one or the other. Um, Right. And, and, and then there's also uh, postmodernist feminists who think that, like, actually, sex doesn't exist at all and we should make everything about gender roles. Um, but they're all calling themselves feminists, as well as, like, the normal liberal feminist who believes in the stuff we believe in. How are we supposed to tell them apart if not by referencing, you know, the, 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 the different academic traditions they come from? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I, I think that you can recognize that they might be getting those academic traditions incorrect, you know, uh, and you, but yeah, I, I understand differentiating those two. And one of the things that's used yeah. as like a weapon against feminism by conservatives quite a bit is that they'll equate somebody like me or you with right. like somebody who is a hardcore Marxist. And it's like, well, no, like those are different things. I think, it, yeah. yeah. No, I, I think that's a wonderful point. And I think that's a good idea to end on because I, I like to end on, kind of actionable things that people, our listeners can actually do out in the real world to solve whatever problem we're talking about, you know? Right. And I, I think that, I think that we have to distance ourselves, liberal people who believe in liberal social justice need to distance themselves from the critical social justice tradition because if you have, because it, if, as long as we are perceived as being on the same side, as we're, as long as we're perceived as being allies rather than enemies, um, then people who are critical of the liberal approach to social justice, those people are going to be able to undermine liberal v- values by associating it with the other values. So practically mm-hmm. speaking, what does that mean in real life? It means um, you don't feel like just because you support LGBT rights or you're a feminist that you have to agree with everything that anybody else who does says, right? That you, it's important to signal that there are, are, are differences of, um, of opinion within those movements. Um, and perhaps even more practically, stop voting for politicians of the non-liberal variety in either party. 
They don't like mm-hmm. there. There's liberal right wing ideas too. Classic liberalism is actually, um, you know, significantly to the right of, of um, social democracy, but it's still liberal. So stop it, whether you're on the left or the right, stop voting for the illiberal commies and fascists and start voting for liberals. That would be my practical advice and be learn I, how to tell them apart. <laughs> I agree. And I think there's an additional thing. I think we like you, you're a conservative, I'm a liberal, and we're so much more likely to actually bring each other on issues. And if we're actually willing to talk to each other, like just well, because, because actually it's because it's because I am liberal. I'm just to your right. That's all right. Right. Economically, you are more centrist and I'm more on the right, but I can compromise with you and work with you because we both share those basic classic liberal values. I agree. Yeah. Good point. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's good. That was a great conversation. Um, you, can you want to want to tell our listeners where they can find your stuff? Yeah. Twitch.tv slash jazz grackle. That's J A Z Z G R A C L E. Uh, and Jazz Crackle, same thing on tw- on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, and moving forward is our gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Together... Through these conversations, we are all working to ensure that the Humanity First movement keeps moving forward. If you haven't yet, please visit our website at movingforwardpod.com where you can support our Patreon. We will use those funds to advertise, to grow our audience so more people hear these important conversations. Thank you very much.